Star Wars 7x7 episode 2751. So chapter 3 of the book of Boba Fett is the 19th episode of live action Star Wars television and I have to say this is the first one where I think I've seen more criticism about an episode of Star Wars TV than I've ever seen before and I do think some of it is legitimate and some of it is more legitimate than others and so I thought on today's episode we'll talk about the five most commonly levied criticisms that we're seeing online for it and rank them in terms of their validity. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you are probably aware that we like to try to keep things positive on the show. That's not to say that we can't critique things or talk about things that you know, could have been done differently perhaps, that might have even been done better, dare we say? <laughs> But we like to keep things light and hopeful and not to, you know, turn it into something, you know, overly dramatic and terrible. That being said, I'm just, I want to do that for the foundation of our conversation because there have been a lot of critiques levied at this most recent chapter of the Book of Boba Fett. It's really kind of surprising to see how this has unfolded, actually. But I do think some of this stuff is valid. And so I thought, let's take a look at the critiques that are going on and see, you know, which ones really work and which ones don't. So probably the one that I feel like is the most legitimate out there is the questions about the chase. It's been referred to as a low-speed chase through the streets of Mos Espa, and you know, I will say that for me at least, it did also feel like it lacked a certain dynamism, it lacked a certain sort of kinetic energy to it. And I wonder if part of that is the limitation of the volume somehow, if that doesn't allow them to create the kind of situation that you know they might be able to do in other scenarios. I mean, I'm thinking about how George Lucas directed the chase scene in the beginning of Attack of the Clones and how dynamic that was, but that also was done, you know, in a you know full movie studio and it was done with you know green all around basically. So, you know, it's kind of a a trade-off to some degree. This was an episode that was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and he has a tremendous resume when it comes to directing action sequences. So, you know, I don't know if you can entirely fault him on this one. I just feel like there must be other extenuating circumstances that made it so it didn't necessarily come off as slam-bang action-packed as we all might have hoped it would be. As for the other action scene in the episode, another one of the criticisms being levied has to do with the realism of that action scene, the fight between Boba Fett and Black Crescenton. In particular, things like how Black Crescenton throws Boba Fett like a rag doll across that room and into the Bacta tank and so forth, and you can hear bones snapping, or it sure sounds like that with the audio effects that they have done with this. Not to mention the fact that Black Crescenton had these like you know brass spiked knuckles that were electrified and he was punching Boba Fett with them like Boba Fett really should I think have endured a lot more damage to himself in that fight than what we saw on screen and especially when you consider the fact that he 
is spending a lot of time in this Bactapod, and it seems like his health is already not in the best of circumstances. He is nowhere near his physical prime. So it's actually kind of surprising that he held up as well as he did being punched around by a very angry Wookiee who was also very well armed at the time too. Now, I'm not saying that I wanted to see Boba Fett all broken and bruised and battered and bloody and all that stuff. In fact, that's gonna go to another point we're gonna discuss later. I just feel like there was an opportunity to maybe stage things differently so that you don't have the disconnect of what's happening in that sequence. So those two, I think, are two of the more valid critiques of the episode. The one that I'm kind of on the fence on is the question of the Tusken Raiders and whether it was a good story choice to have them killed or whether it was a bad story choice to have them killed. And, you know, I've been checking out conversations online about this and particularly conversations being had by indigenous Star Wars fans and the reactions are on both sides basically. And so, you know, I just, I feel like ultimately this comes down to your own experience to some degree. I feel like, you know, I want to validate the indigenous Star Wars fans who were very unhappy with this particular choice. And at the same time, I'm also hearing perspectives from other indigenous Star Wars fans saying that this is kind of a reflection of stories that have actually happened in real life with real actual indigenous populations and people in history. So yeah, I don't know how I you know, feel about that from an evaluative perspective. Me personally, from a storytelling perspective, I feel like it wasn't really necessary, but then again, there's also stuff that we are still, you know, yet to learn about this particular plot line. So, you know, maybe it's going to make a greater bit of sense, but it's, yeah, it's not sitting comfortably with me, but I'm still kind of on the fence about it. Then there are a couple other critiques that I personally I, I disagree with, and you know we'll talk about why here. One of them has to do with the mods and their candy-colored speeder bikes and whether they actually belong in Star Wars. Some of the critiques are saying no. I really feel like the answer to that is yes, they actually do belong in Star Wars. In fact, it kind of is an homage to George Lucas and his original inspirations. Like you think about American Graffiti with all these kids working on their hot rods and making them just pristine and beautiful. You think about the Phantom Menace with all the pod racers and Attack of the Clones with all the speeders flying around like crazy. <laughs> and even in the midst of the chase when Obi-Wan and Anakin are talking about you know, what's taking you so long and all this stuff and Anakin saying, oh, you know, I had to find the right speeder and it had to be this, that, and the other. So yeah, there are some folks who are saying that it's not very Star Wars-y. Personally, I think that there's a lot of evidence for it being not only very Star Wars-y, but very Lucas-y as well. And the last critique I'm seeing out there is that the show is not as violent or gritty as it coulda, woulda, shoulda been somehow. And you know, I know I kind of alluded to that point in talking about the fight between Black Chrysanthemum and Boba Fett, but you know, my point there wasn't about whether I wanted it to be bloody and gory. It was just that there was sort of a disconnect between the damage that Black Chrysanthemum seemed to be inflicting on Boba Fett and what was actually reflected on it, and that maybe that could have been rethought a little bit because ultimately, I don't think we need to see a you know, bloodier, grittier, more violent Book of Boba Fett series necessarily. We certainly could if that was the intention of the showrunners for it, but it wasn't really 
posited that way to begin with, number one. And number two, when you think about Star Wars in general, I mean, it is intended to be for younger audiences as a default. That's certainly the way George Lucas always intended it. It's not necessarily intended for adults, although adults can certainly enjoy it, but it is squarely aimed at a teenage and pre-teenage market. And as you know, has been discussed by many a film critic over the years, Star Wars borrows from so many other genres that it's almost become its own and can almost become other genres on its own and so here we have it becoming sort of a mafia kind of tale just like the Mandalorian was more of a western inspired tale right but at its heart and George Lucas has said this on multiple occasions Star Wars is a soap opera <laughs> it is a space opera which is basically a soap opera set in space so you wouldn't really expect the kind of brutal, gory, bloody violence to be a part of it. In fact, you know, I was thinking about this and, you know, seeing conversations online about it. And the whole notion of Star Wars, like, it was rated PG. Like, the original trilogy movies were rated PG, but they came out before the PG-13 rating was in place. That happened in 1984. But the prequel trilogy then came out subsequent to that, and both The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones were rated PG. So George Lucas, even with having the ability to go up to a PG-13 rating, did not do that for The Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. In fact, at the time, it was rather shocking before Revenge of the Sith was released when we found out that Revenge of the Sith was going to have a PG-13 rating. I mean, that was big news. And now, you know, I feel like we live in a culture where we want to push the entertainment envelope, which means pushing the you know, limits of the PG-13 rating. But even thinking about the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, you know, I don't feel like those were necessarily very strong PG-13s at all. I mean, I'm sure they could have made a couple of tweaks and made it PG, except that I think now it's not necessarily fashionable to have a PG-rated movie anymore. So no, I don't think the Book of Boba Fett needs to be violent or gritty or bloody or anything like that. I mean, I think if it's closer to Spy Kids Rodriguez than From Dust Till Dawn Rodriguez, that's perfectly fine with me. Actually, probably kind of in between those two would be just fine, and that's mostly where we are. So yeah, you know, pretty okay so far. But expectation is the thief of joy, as they say. So yeah, let's not get too ahead of ourselves on this. And so there you go. That's what I've got for you on the podcast today. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.